So I'll go over the first few. Week one was pray corporately. The church is pray corporately. We pray together. Week two was learn continuously. Week three was serve sacrificially. Reach, week four was reach relentlessly. Week five was give generously. And today's fit church exercise is to invite unashamedly. And yes, unashamedly is a word. In case you're like, that's not a word. It's a word. Invite unashamedly. You know, and when I, when I think about inviting, a lot of times, uh, if you've ever been a part of something that you had to invite somebody to, normally you have one of two responses. You are super excited to invite somebody to be a part of something that you're excited to be a part of, or you're inviting somebody to something because you are just like, hey, I would really appreciate it if you came because I just need somebody else to be there. Anybody else ever been in a situation like that? Okay. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I've... I've, I've thrown a party and I was just like, I don't know about this, but could you just please come because it would make me feel better. Now, one of the things we have to understand about invitations are invitations are different than asks. An invitation is something that you have a right to invite somebody to. What do I mean by that? I can ask you to come and be a part of women's ministry here at United Church. I cannot invite you because it is not a ministry that I am a part of. Some of you are like, where are you going with this? I cannot invite somebody to a graduation party that I am not a part of. I can say, hey, I really think you should go to this, but it's not an invitation that I can give or extend. In order to invite, I have to be a part. That's step one that we have to understand when it comes to inviting unashamedly is that we have to be a part if we're going to invite we can ask, but one of the things we also know are that asks are not as special as invitations, right? If you're asking somebody to be a part of something, it's normally something like, hey, uh, I'm going to this thing. Do you want to go with me? An invitation is something along the lines of, we are celebrating this, and we would love for you to be a part of it with us. You know, we just came through, you know, graduation season. Some of you were, were getting those really fancy graduation party invitations, which have just, it's amazing how much technology has increased because the invitations for graduation parties used to be very simple, and now they've got like tons of pictures, and they're all layered with fonts, and everything's fancy, and you find them in different sizes. That's the way it is today, right? Or maybe you get a wedding invitation. And wedding invitations, again, fancy. You are being invited to honor and celebrate the joining of this couple in marriage. I mean, this is what invitations are. The other thing about invitations are invitations always have something attached to them. They don't stand alone. Why? Because you're inviting somebody to be a part of something one of the things we have to understand when we're becoming a fit church is that we have to understand that invitations have to be continuously being given. Because we cannot cap. There is no, uh, you know, I remember when we were getting married, a little over nine years now, when we were getting married and we said, okay, this is the limit that we can have for our wedding. Like, we, we can have this many people and it was specifically in regards to the reception, right? Because when you're planning a wedding and you have the reception, you say, I have this many meals that I have to give out. And so this is how many people can be a part. But when we're talking about a church, there is no cap. 
There should never be a cap that we say we have to stop inviting people because the picture of a church, the way that God created it and meant for it to be, was that there is no cap to his kingdom building and kingdom growing. You see, when we reach a point of, Pastor Jonathan, we don't have enough space in here. Okay, great. Well, then we'll either do one of two things. We will split it or we will build. We'll say, hey, we can't go on, grow any farther. Okay, well, then we'll change to a different room. We'll fit in more chairs. We'll add a second service. We will do whatever we have to do when we get to that point. But I assure you, we're not near that point yet. So you don't have to worry about that. But one of the things you should know is that when that day comes, don't stop inviting. Don't stop inviting. Don't cap what God has said Go into the highways, go into the byways, the alleyways, and invite all that you possibly can to be a part of my wedding banquet. Don't stop inviting. So when we talk about fit churches inviting, obviously we are talking about inviting, but there's lots of different facets of inviting. When I think about the church as a whole, the church is not a building, it is not a facility. We are the church. Next week, we're going to have a church picnic. The church picnic is not a, at a building. It's a group of people who are gathering together, right? So we, the United Church is meeting here this morning. We'll meet there next Sunday, here next Sunday morning, and then we will go there together because we are United Church. United Church, in a few weeks, will be gathered at the Empower Youth Packing. And in a few weeks, we'll be gathered to clean. We'll be gathered to do all of these different, because where we are, we are United Church. When I think about the church as a whole, we, uh, let, me, let me read some verses. I'll go over some verses. In Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this. We are in the app today also. I should do this too. Uh, Doug, can you grab notes? I printed notes and they're over there also. I'm going to mute my mic real quick because I'm going to grab my Bible. Okay, if you have your phone, you can go to your church app and you can click on notes. Are you over there, Doug? Did you find them in Pursuit Corner over there? Sweet. Yeah, if you would like a copy of Paper Notes, you can raise your hand and Doug will give you a copy. Nope. Check. There we go. All right, I'm back on. Okay, so like I said, you can go in your phone app, you can go there, or he's handing out the paper copy now. If you're like, I want the app, but I don't have it yet, you can always just ask after service, and I will set you up, because it is not that difficult. And like I said before, everything is on our app now. Our videos, our sermons, audio podcasts, everything is on our app. But we will always have the paper copies available for you. So Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, this is what it says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another of two acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. So the Hebrew church, these people, they were walking through persecution. They were being persecuted for their faith. And the author of Hebrews, what they say is don't stop gathering. Don't stop meeting. At the beginning of Acts 2, when you read in Acts 2, chapter 1 through 4, you see the day of Pentecost. What does it say in Acts 2, 1 through 4? It says that they were all together in one place. Acts 2.42 says, When they gathered, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer, and to the fellowship. This is what the church does. It gathers together. The church was meant to and created to gather together. You know, people have asked me before, Pastor Jonathan, if they try to shut us down again, what will we do? I assure you that we will still gather. We will have to be creative in how we do it. We'll just be creative. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit and respect authorities until they cross a line, but we will gather. That's what we'll do. We'll figure it out. The reason why we had to stop before, we were not ready, which is why everything had to be changed. And if you don't remember the beginning of COVID, we had a lot of different things that changed technology-wise, to prepare us for what was to come. And now we're here. All right. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission says what? To go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Matthew, this is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus has told us to do. And when he says to go and make disciples, it's not just those around the world, but it is those who are next door to us. It is those we work with. It is those that we encounter on a consistent basis. We're called to make disciples. We invite them to gather with us first thing we invite people to, and this is the most obvious one, is we invite people to church. We invite people to church. We say, hey, you'll never believe what's been happening at our church. You know, it's really cool. Recently, we had a guy who's been battling cancer, and you know, he's still battling cancer, but you'll never guess how fast that man's timeline has sped up and how well he's doing in the midst of everything he's facing. We had a woman who's been battling Achilles issues for an extended period of time who had surgery, and now she's up and she's moving around and she's getting stronger every day. We've had people healed. We've seen people delivered. We've seen, this is what we're seeing in our church, and I would love for you to come be a part of it. You know, we, we have these cards over at the Welcome Center. Just literally, you're invited to United Church. And then on the back, hey, we gather on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can find us online at this website. They're just over there. I encourage you, keep these in your car. These are not wallet cards, because one of the things is wallet cards. How many of you put things in your wallet and then forget about them? <laughs> right? So one of the things, Pastor, we keep these in our uh, center console so that we see them, and whenever we're anywhere, if you're anywhere, you have a car there most of the time, right? <laughs> so <laughs> keep them in the car, and we can always pull them out and say, hey, here you go. And so they're in stacks of four over there. If you just want to take a stack of four before you leave today, I encourage you to do that. We invite people to church. 
Don't you dare. <laughs> she said they make great coasters, in case you, anybody asked. You know what you do is you go take them to restaurants and you make them coasters. So I said, fit churches invite unashamedly to church. But it doesn't just end there. Because if, if the only invitation you ever make is to church, I assure you, you have not invited. Let's just keep going. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We aren't just called to invite others to church, but we are called to invite others to learn alongside of us. Hey, I, I know that you've been coming to your church for a few weeks, and I would, I would just love to sit down. I'd love to do coffee with you, and I'd love to talk about how are you doing in life. Hey, I've been going to men's group these last few times, and you know, I've really been enjoying myself, but I think you have something to offer, and I think it would be cool if you came to be a part of it. Hey, I, I've been going to women's. I've been, I've been going to rangers, and I think it would be cool if you and, you and your boys came and were a part of what was taking place here at the church, we don't just invite people to church on a Sunday morning, but we invite them into the family by saying, hey, let's grow together. Let's learn together. Hey, I've been reading through the book of Mark. You know, I, I, I struggled with reading my Bible, but I've started reading the book of Mark. And have, have you ever read, read the Bible? You know, I, I would be encouraged if we could read through it together. Why don't we just say, hey, we'll read through, we'll read four chapters a week and then we'll discuss it together. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We invite others to be a part of learning with us. Because after all, we've all been invited to learn by somebody, right? So we say, hey, just as I've been invited now, I'm going to invite along with me. So we invite to learn. We invite to learn. We invite to church. We invite to learn. But the invitations go deeper here as well. We don't just invite people to church or invite people to learn, but we invite others to serve with us. We invite others to serve with us because as a fit church, we understand that serving and when we serve, we have an opportunity presented before us to grow. That Jesus doesn't just cause us to grow when we learn in settings that we expect to grow, like a Sunday morning or like a men's or women's group or rangers or youth. Or we don't just grow in these settings because the way we learn and the way we grow are both understandable but also mysterious to us. So when we serve together, the Holy Spirit brings unity to the body, He brings growth to the individual which brings growth to the body as well. We invite others to serve alongside of us because we understand that when we bring others with us to serve, we are fulfilling not only our duty to serve, but we are fulfilling our duty to disciple. After all, we're called to what? Make disciples. When I think about serving together, I think about uh, Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 3. Come on. I'm using my Bible I never use, so it's like not fun for me. We're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 3, and what you're going to find this is, this is not the Bible I use on a regular basis. This is my preaching Bible. 
So I don't, in case anybody didn't know this, and this is a weird thing about me. So I read in the NLT. I study in the ESV. I preach in the NIV. So I have different Bibles that I use for different things. I'm not bilingual. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you're actually going to hear about that here in in a few weeks, about not why I do that, but the important things in regards to that. So this is, again, this is Nehemiah chapter so what you have to understand is Nehemiah is cupbearer to the king. He is, he is in captivity, and the king honors him and likes him. And Nehemiah goes before the king, and he is sad. And the king's like, what is it, Nehemiah, that you want? And he says, my city, my home is in ruins. I want to rebuild it. The king says, I give you, uh, I give you honor. I'm going to release you to go and do that. Take whatever you need. I will supply so that you can rebuild. This is what he tells Nehemiah, okay? So Nehemiah heads to Jerusalem. He's walking around. He's taking, uh, he's analyzing the wall and he recognizes we need to rebuild this because our home is not safe. And then Nehemiah 3 says this, Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the walls as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshezabel, and then Zadok, son of Bana. Next were the people from Tekoa, through, um, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired. I can go through the entire chapter, and what you'll find is that family after family and unit after unit all played their part in serving and rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And what takes place is that Nehemiah sent out the call, hey, we need to do this. But what you'll see is family units said, hey, I'll do this part, but would you serve next to me? Would you serve next to me? Would you serve next to me? And what ends up happening is the wall gets rebuilt in a time that is astronomically quick because they all did their part and they were all invited to be a part. And then obviously there were some people who weren't and they missed out and they'll forever be known in the book of of Nehemiah as those who didn't. So we invite to church, we invite to learn, we invite to serve with us. The next thing we talk about is we invite people to prayer. We invite people to pray over the needs in their life. We invite people to times of corporate prayer for our church. We invite people to pray for the needs in our life. Did you know that it's okay to be transparent about needs in your life? That's okay to be weak. It's okay to be struggling. This morning in uh, pre-service prayer, I told, the, I told our leaders, I said, listen, like I woke up today and I just was not in a great frame of mind. I was just frustrated. I was not doing well. I'm doing better now, <laughs> but it's okay to be struggling. And then one of the things I've learned is that when you are, that's actually, I know what that is. That's my battery, so I apologize. I need to change that, and I'll do that after service. I should tell you that as long as you never open up about your struggle, the enemy will continue to hold it over you. As long as you refuse to open up about a struggle, the enemy will hold it over you. I'm not saying you come up here and you tell the whole church that you're struggling with X, Y, Z, but you need to find somebody. You need to ask them to pray with you 
to talk with you through it, to be in relationship with you. Invite them into your life. Invite them to pray with you. As I said, Acts 2.42, the early church devoted themselves to prayer. They understood the value and the power of prayer. It wasn't just something that they checked a box for. It wasn't just something that they said, hey, we need to do this. They said, no, if we're going to see change in our life and in our world, we need to pray. We invite people to pray. James 5 says what? It says, James 5, I believe it's 16. I didn't write down the verse, but it's in there because there's more about prayer in there as well. That's why I put the whole chapter. It says, if any of you are sick, call upon the elders of the church to lay hands anoint and pray and you will be healed that's what it says but if we hold on to our problems we're going to constantly struggle we release them and we're able to find that we're not alone anybody ever share a problem and realize that you weren't the only one going through it Wait, you mean that I, I've believed the lie of the enemy that I was the worst human being on earth? That nobody's ever been through this and I'm just, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to isolate. But God has called us to gather and be together. So we invite people to prayer for us, but we also take the invitation from the Holy Spirit to pray for the needs of others. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you're on the phone with somebody, this happened to me this week. I'm on the phone with somebody, and uh, they're like, hey, this is what's going on. Could you pray for me? And he was ready to hang up. I said, oh, no, sir. <laughs> this is not somebody who attends our church. No, no, no. I'm going to pray with you right now. Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. Awesome. I'm going to pray with you right now. Why? Because, listen, do I think the prayer makes a difference whether it's in front of a person or not in front of a person in regards to the God? No. But who does it make a difference for? Them. It makes, a it makes a difference for their faith. It makes a difference for their mind. I, I think we live in a world where we have, uh, <laughs> if I could copyright the phrase, I will pray for you so that nobody could ever use it again, I would. <laughs> because I will pray for you rarely gets prayed for. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you right now, and we're going to pray right here together, and we're going to believe that even in this moment, God's going to begin to heal. God's going to begin to free. God's going to give peace. They can say no, right? I've declined invitations to weddings. I've declined invitations to parties. That's my right as a person who's been invited. And when you invite, people can decline. And what do you do in that moment? You don't say, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. You just say, okay, I respect your decline. Let's just move forward. I wouldn't even say I'm praying for you. Just pray for them silently and just do it on your own. Just do it. They don't need to know that you're going to pray for them still. But just res respect them. And then if they keep coming with it, say, hey, I can pray for you right now if you'd like. And then they say, no again. And then you go a third time. And they say, and then you tell them, well, you know, you keep declining the invitation, but it will forever stand. 
because I believe that there's authority and power in the name of Jesus, and he can make a difference in your life. So we invite to prayer. And the last thing we're going to talk about today is there's one final invitation, and it is not an invitation to give. For those of you who are like, I'm going to talk about giving. Um, I ask you to give. <laughs> I invite you to give. Um, listen, if you, what, I'm not even going to get into that. I could, but I'm not going to. But what we do is we, when we're talking about invitations, right, we talk about inviting to church, inviting to learn, inviting to serve, inviting to pray. But the last one is probably the most important one, and that's actually inviting people to faith. Inviting people to faith. If you invite somebody to church, that does not mean that you've invited them to receive Jesus. Okay? If you rely upon your pastor to be the one who gives an invitation, all you're doing is making your pastor be the one who's responsible for all people in this church. That is not my job. <laughs> I'll say it one more time. It is not my job to be the only one responsible for everyone's faith in this church. We are all called to be in ministry and to serve in ministry. And we are all called to be ministers of the gospel, which means it is not just your pastor who invites people to faith, but we all, as followers of Jesus, have the responsibility to invite others to faith. How do we do this? We, in, we invite people into our home. We invite people into our life. We invite people into our joys and our trials. Why? Because if people don't see who you are in life, why do you think they would have any desire to be a part of what you have? Listen, if we can't share our struggle or share our celebrations, then nobody's ever going to be like, I want that. We all know people who are just putting up walls all the time, and whenever you talk to them, you're only talking about things like sports. You're never talking about family. You're never talking about your struggles at work. You're never talking... Listen, if you want to see people come to know Jesus in your life, you're going to have to open up at some point, and you're going to have to share about the struggles and the joys, and they will then get to watch how your faith has played out in your life. There are people who come to our church because of how I walk through car accidents. In case you didn't know that. Because I had to walk through a car accident issue multiple times now. For those of you who don't know, I've been in three, I was in three in three years. And we're coming, listen, we're coming up on September, four months to go. Four months to go. We pray it none, none in 2021. Um, <laughs> might be your year. Might be my year. Um, no, so what I'm, what I'm saying is this. That person said, I don't understand how you have so much joy in the midst of everything you've endured. Well, let me share with you about why I have joy in the midst of everything. I want to know about your church. Let me tell you about my church. When do you meet? Well, we meet Sunday morning at this time. And normally when I talk with people, oh, by the way, in case you didn't know this, if a pastor invites somebody to church, the likelihood that they will accept an invitation, if I remember correctly, it sits around 17%. But if a member of the church invites somebody to church, it sits at about 66-70%. Your invitation is much more valuable than mine. It's not my job. <laughs> But that's, so for me, when I think about 
all of these things, I go, we have to be people who invite others into our life if we're ever going to see opportunities to invite people into faith. We invite them over for dinner or to dinner. We invite them into our life. We talk about our struggles. We ask them to talk about their struggles. We're not just talkers, but we're listeners as well. Listen, if you are the one who does all the talking in your relationship, and I'm not talking extroverted, introverted relationships, okay? I understand that in introverted, extroverted relationships, introverts are not going to talk as much. But introverts, you still need to talk. Okay, all right. But I'm telling the extroverts, listen, if you have a friend who's an introvert, don't be the only talker. Please ask them how they are doing in life. And don't stop asking because you're just at some point going to say, you know what? They just don't want to. And that will probably be the day they need you to ask. People won't know that you're different unless you share with them how you are different. Our burden is to pray and invite, but we cannot accept an invitation for somebody you are not responsible for somebody to accept or decline an invitation. You are responsible to invite and to pray. You're going to invite somebody to church on that back wall. You can have me and our church and leadership praying with you. You say, hey, I'm, I'm, I feel like God's leading me to invite this person to church. Just write their name down, write your name down, put it in the prayer box, and I will spend a month praying for you with that specific person. Why? Because I believe in the power of prayer. But we can't be ashamed if we're actually going to invite. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel if you are going to invite people to faith. If we're ashamed of our faith, then we're going to be ashamed to invite. But if we are unashamed, if we believe, if we believe that Jesus is the only way, if we believe that he can transform circumstances, if we believe that he can transform lives, then it transforms the way we view an invitation. Because we go, listen, you have no idea what you're missing out on. You need to be a part of this. You got to know. You got to know. But one of the things we have to understand, again, invitations can be accepted or declined. I think about Jesus in, in Matthew 4, 19. He looks at a few of his disciples and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In, in Matthew 16, 24, he says, listen, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Listen, he says to the to uh, the rich man, he says, listen, sell all your possessions and follow me. He says to the man, he says, hey, I have to bury my mother. He says, hey, let the dead bury their own dead and follow me. When we look at those, these are all invitations, and some were accepted and some were declined. And those who accepted, their lives were forever changed, and those who declined, their lives were forever changed. But Jesus still extended the invitation. You see, even Jesus had people decline his invitations. It's okay to be told no. Even Jesus was told no. 
And in fact, when people decline you and say, no, thank you, I'm not interested, they're not declining you. They're declining Jesus. So we invite to church, we invite to learn, we invite to serve, we invite to pray, and we invite to the faith. We are called by God to invite people along the way. If somebody declines, you wait some time, and you invite again. You know, I, I think back to college. I, I went to a Christian college, okay? But there were still things and events that I did not want to be a part of. And so I would be invited to something, and my freshman year and sophomore year, I was invited to something, and I can assure you that I said no. <laughs> no, I don't want anything, I don't want any part of that. And then junior year, something took place within me, and then I was invited to be a part of something, I said, yes, I would like to be a part of that. And so what happens is when we stop inviting, now I'm not saying every day you wake up, I'm not even saying every week you wake up, and you go, hey, it's the day that I need to invite you. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you need to have your eyes open and your ears attentive to what's taking place in somebody's life, and you need to extend the invitation when it is time to extend the invitation. The problem is that we are not aware and we don't take hold of opportunities. So, there are two reasons why I feel, and I may be wrong, but this is Pastor Jonathan here. This is not a biblical response. This is Jonathan. I'm going to tell you that right from the get-go. There are two reasons why I feel that people do not extend invitations. Either one, they are ashamed, right? Or they they uh, don't extend the invitation because they're afraid of the decline, which I would argue are one and the same thing. If you're ashamed or you're expecting a decline, I would 100% say that is the exact same thing because to expect a decline is to be ashamed. You don't extend an invitation for something that you're excited about and express excitement about and expect a decline. If I'm going to invite somebody out to some kind of party, and we're going to be giving away, <laughs> I'm going to change it, we're going to be giving away $1,000 and a new car and all these things, you're going to extend the invitation and you are not going to expect a decline. But for some reason, when we extend an invitation uh, at new life and freedom and peace and joy and transformation, sometimes we expect a decline. Probably because we aren't excited enough when we make the invitation. Okay. The other thing, and this is number two, and this is something I'm excited about and I'm asking you to pray about, is that your pastor is going to begin a series in the beginning in September um, that I think will encourage some of you as well. And so one of the other reasons I think that we are weary of pushing an invitation is because we feel that we do not know enough. So number one to that, you have a testimony and there is authority and power in your testimony, and nobody can question what God has done in your life, okay? So that's number one. But number two is beginning in the month of September, I'm going to do two months on Sunday morning teaching on apologetics. So what is apologetics? I'm going to teach on the defense of the faith. I'm going to dive into things like why we can believe the word of God. And I'm going to talk about things like archaeology. And I'm going to use laws, laws, not theories, laws that science uses to teach 
and I'm going to use them to explain why God exists. I'm going to help you understand why we can believe the word of God, why can we can believe that there is a God, why we can believe that Jesus came to this earth born of a virgin, died on a cross, and rose again on the third day. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to spend two months on it. Because one of the things I also believe is that we're coming into an era in our world where we need to know. Now, here's the next part of this. Some people would argue, and I'm not saying any of you in this room are, maybe you are, but I'm going to tell you this. Some people, and I've been in an environment in this town where this has been spoken, they say, well, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. So the more we know, the more it hinders our faith. I assure you, (laughs) I assure you that is very foolish thinking because the apostles got to see Jesus with their own eyes and their faith was not hindered because of what they saw. And the issue that I believe we do have in our faith is that hundreds of years ago, they would walk through catechisms and they would go into deep understanding of their faith that we do not do today. And so we're going to take two months and we're going to dive into deep truths so that we, when questioned by somebody who says, how can you believe that there is a God? You will be able to say, okay, well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll give you a real simple one today and then I'll end my message today. We'll just use Newton's law of motion, okay? Anything in motion will stay in motion. And anybody know, Chloe, do you know the second part of it? Anything at rest, rest will stay at rest. Thank you, Chloe. <laughs> She's back in school, so I wanted to test her. But everybody answered. That's okay. Anything in motion will stay in motion. Anything at rest will stay at rest. You see, but the issue is, when we use this law, which law means that it is a proven fact, and according to science, that's what they say, okay? When we speak this law, the issue that comes to be is that all scientists will say that there was a beginning. Nobody will say that there was no beginning. But the issue with this is that if there was a beginning, something or someone had to put everything into motion. There had to be an original pusher that existed outside of what we see in order to put things into motion. You see, our God exists, and he was the one who created, and he was the one who pushed simple things like that. But I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, uh, worship team, you can come forward. September and October are going to be months where some of you will sit there and you go, I only got like three things out of this sermon. And some of you will go, I ate that up for 45 minutes because I'm just going to tell you right now, it is going to be teaching. Because I want us to be able to go into the world and not just say, I've had these experiences but I want us to be able to go into the world and say, I know that my God is real, that he sent his son to die on a cross for me, that he did die on a cross for me. And I know it because of this, 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 and this. And then he rose from the dead on the third day. And I know it because of this, 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 and this. And then he sent his Holy Spirit 
And that Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And so, I know that my life is forever changed. And so I'd like to extend an invitation to you. Would you like to be a part of this as well? See, fit churches invite unashamedly. We invite to church. We invite to learn. We invite to serve and we invite to pray. But most importantly, we invite to faith. Listen, if we saw people give their life to Jesus and start going to other churches, but it's because of an invitation from you, praise God. Praise God. Because that means we have some missionaries in our midst. I'm going to pray. And then we will, uh, I don't know how much I'll let you sing today. We'll find out. But I want to encourage you, pick up some invitation cards, put them in your car, put them wherever you need them to be so that you take hold of the opportunities. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, would you be with us as a church? Would you help us to take hold of every opportunity? God, may we not wait for them, but may we look for them. May we pray for them. May we expect opportunities to invite people to faith in you. May we take hold of, look for, pray for opportunities to invite people to church. Invite people to serve with us. Invite people to learn with us. And invite people to pray with us. God, our faith was never meant to be separate or in isolation. But we've all been created to be together and to grow those who are already together. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Jesus, I pray.